answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are joining us today as we're talking about financial matters. Investments, retirement planning, taxes, insurance, all those fun things. Both myself and my co-host are financial advisors and been doing this for three decades, doing this radio program for over 25 years. and A long uh, time. Yeah, and certainly enjoy, enjoy, enjoy being here. And our objective is we are financial advisors, still practicing financial advisors. Our objective is to come to you with this program whether you're listening via terrestrial radio or via podcast, and really be kind of your financial planner on the air. So uh, another place to get some information. We're practicing advisors, and I think it's a little different than reading industry periodicals that are written by... Journalists. Journalists. I mean, it's just different. Particularly the longer you've been doing this, the... uh, Because humans are involved in decision-making. And so... In fact, I read the... And, re- we, and funny enough, we don't always make perfect decisions. That, uh, oftentimes, they're emotionally charged. Or often. irrational. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, they don't seem irrational at the oh, time. I understand. No, right? I've made a lot of irrational decisions <laughs> in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and continue to do so sometimes. You just try to hope that the rational ones... Everything ra- seems rational at the time. You could backfill anything. Well, you try to you try to create put some boundaries in your life for... In lots of different areas of your life, and in finances, it's one of those things as well. Like, what disciplines do you need to make sure you've got in place? Um, all let's, those sort of. Let's things. get the basics before we get rich. Yeah, and so anyway, if you'd like to join us, we'd love to take your call and answer your question on the program. Our contact number to be part of Allworth's Money Matters eight three three ninety nine Worth eight three three ninety nine Worth, and numerically it's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. And let it take care. Yes, and uh, I, uh, before we got on the air, I was telling Scott we've been working remotely. Our two hundred and I don't know fifty, sixty, seventy employees two, remotely to thirty or forty. Oh, or I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> we're growing fast. We're growing. Pat just keeps <laughs> adding. Uh, <laughs> we must have another twenty people showing up somewhere. But uh, all over the United States, uh, working remotely and. I got in my car today to come down. We have a studio in our office there. We record this. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the furthest I have driven. And it was all 15 miles. This is the furthest I have driven in I don't know how long. Is that right? Really? Yes. And I thought how enjoyable it actually was. I, I As I'm driving to the office, I'm thinking, I'm really enjoying this drive to the office. And I'm thinking... Remember that, because you're going to need it in the future. When the traffic's back, <laughs> yes, you're going to you're you're going to you're going to have to recall this day some point uh, post pandemic um, that you actually enjoyed the drive to the office and seeing all your well, there's not many coworkers. No, there. it's depressing coming in because it feels like the company blew apart. Yeah, but there are there's this this group. They're always. Here, there are four or five people. Are always There's like four or five people that chose to come in the office during this time. We are an essential business. Yes. Uh, and um, they're socially distanced. Yeah, because it's there's five when there's normally 60 in this <laughs> location. There's five now. Yes. Yeah. So. In any case, it's um, well, I tell you. And those the, five people have decorated their cubes for Christmas. I was quite impressed. Did you look? Yes. I saw that last time. I'm like, wow. And it was decorated for Halloween as well. Yes. <laughs> They're not going to take the spirit out of them. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> yeah, well, good for them. Man. But you know, we continue to march forward and hit new highs on the stock market. In the midst of this, if you look at, the, and I know you've seen this, Pat, really the top five big tech companies that are driving a good chunk of this market. Yes. Their earnings a year ago, their, their price to earnings ratio, they're trading at roughly 19 or 20 times earnings of their previous year's earnings. Today, they're trading at 29. Because the price has gone up. 
but the earnings haven't kept up with the price increase. The prices have gone up much faster than the earnings. So when yeah. people ask me, Scott, oh, you must feel great about this market. Anytime we see stock prices marching ahead faster than earnings, I, I don't like it. And why is that, Scott? Because in fundamental investments, you're buying the earnings of the company. Many times what happens is that there, there, there has a tendency to get speculation in the marketplace where people are trying to buy future earnings or hoping that the stock price just continues to go up. But if the underlying earnings don't rise with the stock yeah. price, that's how bubbles are created. And I've been doing this. We've both been doing this long. It start, parts of this feels a bit like 1999. And bit. it's really, it's the, it's the um, people that I, I know, sometimes not that well, that want to start telling me about all the stocks, the individual stocks. And they start touting that I bought this and I bought this here and I, I own Zoom. And I, they start, and, you know, the funny thing about it, it's kind of like when someone says to me how well they do at, at Las Vegas playing blackjack, right? And I know that, look, I understand the odds. Like, eventually, the house is going to win. So whatever you're telling me, it's either a bunch of BS or you just need a little more time. And I feel the same thing when people talk about individual stocks. Look, if the average man actively managed mutual fund manager cannot outperform the market, matter of fact, Studies have shown maybe only 20% of actively managed mutual funds can outperform the underlying indexes of which they're trying to uh, 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 invest. How is it that the individual investor that didn't get an MBA from the top business school, that, that doesn't have a research uh, department, team, yeah, how are they going to make better decisions than those people? Over long periods of time. Over long periods of time. Short long periods period. of time. It's yeah, long periods of time. Like this guy was telling me the other day, and I said, well, I said, I guess that's fine if it's just a portion of your your play money, but I wouldn't have your serious money set up that way. Well, I had a conversation with a, a person just this week, and they were talking about how their individual stock has done so much better than their municipal bond portfolio. And I said, it's not fair to compare those two. Because they're designed for two different things. And he well, said, why? And I said, well, because one is kind of like, <laughs> has very, very little risk. And the other has significant risk. So, anyway. My sedan just drives so much different than my sports car. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. Well, I I'm think it's you. just, it's one of these times, it, and I get a little concerned as a financial advisor, um, you look at the amount of options. It's, I, look, I don't. If young people want to trade options all the time, eventually they're going to lose some money and they're going to learn from that. That's fine. Yes, really, it's fine. My concern is you start seeing people that are in their forties, fifties, sixties have none, no experience doing things like that, are taking on way more risk. If you look at the amount of funds that have flown into like these leveraged ETFs and and inverse ETFs, like these, the most riskiest of the risky type investments, money's flowing into those sort of, um, whether it's strategies or investments. And um, and quite frankly, it has become so easy to actually buy and trade, specifically, and especially now, options. Yes. Especially options. Well, I have two of my four children uh, trade options. <laughs> It's ironic, isn't it? <laughs> I don't. I don't get involved at all. <laughs> they, when they ask me my opinion, I just I'm like, well, just don't, don't, don't play too much, and yeah. it's your money. It's always times like this when it's like, oh, you don't really understand. You're an old person. It's different this time. But we've seen enough market cycles. Look, and here's the thing. If well, fortunately, my kids don't say that to me because they do know that I'm the co-CEO of a company that manages $10 billion, so they've never brought that up. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> so hopefully you kind of – maybe you know what you're talking Anyway, I just think it's important to remember, look, your own portfolio. Understand what risk you have there. It's risk-adjusted returns. Risk-adjusted returns. And who cares what happened? What happened yesterday is irrelevant. Where you are today – your portfolio today, is it structured the way it needs to be structured uh, for whatever your income, future income needs are going to be? If it's most likely retirement? Yes. 
And the further you are in uh, your savings and your life's journey, the closer you are into retirement, the more likely you should be concerned about not being poor versus being really rich based upon your investment portfolio, which means you better understand the risk. Well, if you're 55 or 60, you're not rich yet at this point, whatever, however you want to define that. Like, you're, you're probably, probably you're, not going to get there. You probably have a different, I mean, maybe you should have a different goal at this point. Yes, yeah. Whatever, whatever rich whatever, means. Whatever rich means. Because you talk to someone that most people would think rich and they don't feel rich because someone, that guy, Bill Gates is rich. Jeff yeah. Bezos is rich. Anyway, uh, let's take some calls here. Who do you think Jeff Bezos says is rich? His ex-wife. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of funny. I did find, I, I mean, if, if there's certain people that I have tremendous respect for Jeff Bezos, I mean, what he has created and continues to create, like, it's mind-boggling how they can, can they go into these new industry after industry and just dominate. And uh, he's now, as I think he, did he hit the richest person in the world for all? He's right up, number two, whatever. He's super real. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, his marriage fell apart a year or two ago. Yes. And I thought, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, I just thought that it was a tragedy because... Uh, you're so gifted in this one area, but this other area that's obviously important to most people, uh, sometimes more important than their, their career, that didn't work out so well for them. But I'm not going to. I haven't spent any time thinking about Jeff Bezos' wife or his ex-wife or his new girlfriend or anything. I was thinking about Amazon <laughs> Web Services the other day. <laughs> we'll get to the call. I have wasted no energy, mind space, thinking about Jeff Bezos' personal life. But I, I was the other day thinking about how brilliant uh, Amazon Web Services was, the, the cloud storage. Yes, which is a much bigger part, yeah. at least the profits, bigger yeah. than their... Yeah. How, and also, I have a... I've got to confess, uh, more retail stuff I'm trying to do directly with the manufacturers or different businesses. Rather than through Amazon? Yes. Because at some point, do I want any company owning, controlling that much of, of my life? Yes. I think that's, I'm trying not to consume anything at all. That there we go. Me. be a minimalist. And once I get everything I want, I'm going to become that's a minimalist. That's perfect. That's a great idea. All right, let's. You tell me when that is. Let's uh, let's take some calls. We're talking with John. John, you're with Scott Hanson, Pat McLean, Allworth Financial. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Thank um, you. I've been listening for twenty years and always appreciate the way oh. you both break down the various investment strategies for your audience. Well, thank you kindly. Um, I have two questions that go hand in hand relating to after-tax allocations. Uh, my wife and I have approximately. 400000 saved up in various investment accounts, and about 20% of that is in after-tax, um, four fifty-seven in Roth. And so as I get near retirement, I'm trying to figure out what percentage I should be striving for in after-tax investments um, by retirement age. And then kind of along with that, um, my wife had an illness um, this year where she cannot work, um, but she's fine now and is working this last quarter. Um, she had some various our previous 401ks totaling 36,000 that we rolled over into a traditional IRA a couple of years ago. Um, so now the funds are in the total stock market index. Um, but we thought this might be a good opportunity to do a Roth conversion on that 36,000. How old are you? Taxable income, uh, 47. What will your tax blend come be this year? Uh, probably right, right around 100, 105,000. Oh, actually, with hers, it'll be probably uh, 130000 You're probably pushed into that 22% bracket. And are you a resident of California? I looked at your phone number here. It looks like you. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you're already in a pretty high tax bracket in California. Do you think you're going to stay a resident of California in the foreseeable future? Or retire yeah, in California? I think, so. I think we'll plan on retiring here yeah. also. Uh, it's definitely something to take uh, take a look at. I don't know if your if your tax bracket is going to be any different in 2020 as it will be in 2021 because just the way the brackets work. Uh, but I would run the numbers. Okay. Yeah, you, you do a pro forma on your taxes. Yeah. Do, do you you do your own taxes? Uh, no, we have accountants. Okay, just I ask call the accountant business. Monday morning and say, "Hey, here's what I'm thinking," or send him an email. 
or an email. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. Uh, what's this, what would it mean tax wise to me? What, what what's the impact on my marginal tax rate here? Yeah, because you're right on the you're right on the edge. Okay, so he could run it like both ways. Then. Yep. Yeah, they could do a bunch of different yeah. what ifs for you. So Scott, he's got okay. twenty. He's got eighty thousand dollars in after tax. And how are those for for would you say four hundred three bs and four hundred one ks? Yeah, four fifty seven or or. You've got the you, after tax is four fifty seven and Roth. Oh, so the, your after tax dollars you're talking about? Th- these aren't money that are set aside in a brokerage account or in a savings account. These are after tax contributions that you made over time to your retirement plans. Is that correct? In addition to the the, the money, the thirty six thousand dollars you have in the IRA, right? Yeah, that's correct. Why did you make so many contributions on an after tax basis? Uh. I don't know. I, I just thought it'd be important to have some after tax um, at retirement for, you know, a larger. So I'm, I, but I'm just, so did, are those after tax dollars with your employer's plan or were these after tax dollars that you had saved elsewhere? Uh, some are with the employer's plan and then some just a, a Roth IRA that I opened up with Vanguard. Got it. How much of the uh, how much of the eighty thousand dollars in after taxes with the employer plans? Uh, about fifteen thousand. Okay. Right. Okay, so it's not okay. much at yeah. all. Okay. I was sitting that my, that's, my cons- that's why I, I dialed in on that. eighty grand, I'm going to say we need to figure out how to get that to a Roth. That's, we need to devise a strategy, which may, seeing how we can whatever you need to do with your employer's plan, which may or may not been able to do, but. That's that's why I dug into that eighty thousand was to try to determine and the reason behind that if you could take those after tax dollars in your employer's plan and direct them to a Roth, then the growth on it occurs on a tax free basis. Inside the plans, they do not. Yes, it grows tax deferred. But let's say you had ten thousand dollars of after tax contributions to your four hundred one k, that grew to fifteen thousand dollars. That five thousand dollars of growth will one day be taxed if that five thousand occurred within a. This is exciting radio, by the way. If that five thousand was uh, incurred uh, inside a Roth, it would be tax free as long as you waited to retirement, et cetera. But uh, so, so okay. the, the, the moral of the story is: don't put any more money after tax until you fund all your Roths that are available to you. Okay, and they, yeah, that we've been doing that. Okay. Um, yeah, that, I just that, that kind of spiked out to me when you said eighty thousand out of the four hundred. But it makes sense the way you're doing it. Um, you're fine. So the, I think your question is how much should you have, and and I really look at it as like pre-tax dollars versus after-tax dollars, right? So in a perfect yeah. world, you're at retirement and all your money is tax-free. In a perfect world, <laughs> that's not that, but it's not a perfect world. So the way the tax structures work and whatnot, most people it makes sense to take a, or for many people it makes sense to take a pre-tax contribution uh, to take that deduction when you put money into your company's retirement plan. And at the tax rate you're at right now, uh, it sounds to me like you're probably best off continuing to put money on a pre-tax basis. And don't worry about putting money in an after-tax other than funding the Roth IRAs. Okay. All righty. Yeah, and I think our, you know, our income level next year, we won't be able to do the, the Roth. We won't qualify. Um, well, you well, can I do. I guess we could do the backdoor. Yes. Roth. Well, it's depending if you have other IRAs. Yeah, which would be one of the reasons that you might want to convert this thirty-six thousand dollars in the IRA to a Roth IRA. Okay. To provide that going to forward. provide that going forward. I would agree because with that. what happens is on a regular IRA, if you do a backdoor Roth, right, and you put a non-deductible IRA contribution, then you convert it to a Roth. They look at all your IRAs, and then the conversion goes on a pro rata basis. So if you have no money in regular IRAs and all your money in Roth IRAs, then you could use what we call the backdoor Roth going forward, which might be one of the driving. Um, factors to, to convert this IRA to a Roth IRA. In fact, okay. I would vote for that if anyone was counting my vote or <laughs> if they were lost in transition or whatever. <laughs> Stolen or something. <laughs> something. <laughs> All righty, John, thanks for the call. You know, it's interesting, Pat. Uh, kind of joking, make obviously a reference to the election, but um, 
It's what's interesting right now is here we are in December of 2020, and we're all doing a bit of tax. Well, not all. <laughs> if quite a, some of us are doing some year-end tax planning, thinking you should about be. thinking about um, how to best minimize our taxes, and we're at a time that we're not sure what the what the political balance is going to be in 2021 and how that could impact taxes. Because we know that what Biden, who is our president-elect, yes, even though that not everybody states that, yeah, he will be our next president, very clear. He has stated uh, what he would like to see with taxes, which would be an increase in income taxes and a dramatic increase in capital gain taxes and an increase in corporate taxes. Uh, the Republicans uh, have stated they don't want to see any increases in taxes. Right now, we're going to have Biden's going to be a president. We're going to have Congress that's going to be majority Democrat. But we've got right now, as yes. everybody knows, a Senate that is up in the air, up in the air. It's going to come down to a runoff in January between two people in uh, Atlanta, I mean, uh, in, in Georgia. And so uh, when, when you look when you when you look at this, it's like. If both Republicans lose and two Democrats get in, and there's the Senate is, is 50% Democrat, 50% Republican, um, with the tie going to the vice president, Democrat. So the Democrats technically would have the the majority to push through some taxes, may, may not have the political capital to do so because there's probably a couple that aren't as excited about that and might be afraid that he would be kicked out of the office in two years if they voted for something. On the other hand, if, if at least one Republican uh, wins, it, it'd be pretty clear there's not going to be major tax increases next year. Yes, which is hard to plan around. Had a conversation with a client this week about that very thing. And sometimes when you don't know, you just split the difference. Right. So the, the discussion we had was, do you recognize capital gains this year or not? Whether it's capital gains, whether it's Roth conversions, whether it's deferring the sale of something till next year. Whether I mean, it's your gifting uh, strategy. Uh, gifting out too. Of your Taxes estate. are going to be higher next year. Maybe better to gift next year instead of this year. Yes. No one knows. All I do know is that if I was a radio sh uh, station or a television station or some sort of advertising medium in the state of Georgia, I'd be pretty happy right now. <laughs> I was gonna say, where are you going with this? <laughs> the money's just flowing. Well, and I think I'm not an expert here, but they have to charge like a rack rate for everybody, right? So yeah. it's like. Uh, well, at least historically, they didn't. I don't know if they have to now, but historically, they had to charge everyone basically the same the rate, same right? Rate. Otherwise, they're playing political favorites. And yeah. so. Uh, yeah, I, so I, historically, I know that the radio stations have really enjoyed the political seasons. And uh, yes, yeah. So it's uh, you got that going for you, Georgia. People are putting money into these um, into these runoffs that can't even spell the name of the uh, people running for office. That is just flocking. Well, because a lot of it's well, obviously we all know what it's going to. Uh, but from a we look at things from a financial planning professional, we look at things from a financial planning standpoint. And the, the, the major implications here is like, what is that going to mean to us going forward? So it, what does that mean to our clients? Yes. And uh, the listeners here. So there is some chance that there will be a tax increase next year. What chance is that? And that's where you kind of come up with some sort of probability. As with any sort of looking at any sort of investments or future cash flow, you look at probabilities because nothing's 100% for certain. Yes. So what's what's the probability of there being a tax increase there? And if you're like an engineer type and want to try to do everything mathematically, apply some some factor to that and use it in your calculations. Yeah, there is. It, speaking of that, we've talked about Social Security. If you've listened to this show for any period of time, you, you know our theory about Social Security, which is if you don't need it, you should probably take it as early as possible. But if you need it to live on, you probably should defer um, till age 70. To age 70. I saw a proposal this week where it was going to be, they were recommending a flat Social Security number for everyone. Everyone. What do you mean? Well, you know, now it's if you if I earn $200,000 oh, a year, 
versus $20,000 a year. What about if you're connected politically? Do you get a little more then, like in other uh, socialist regimes? But that's, uh, and I thought, well, that's interesting because I never thought about it that way. I always thought about how they just take it off from the top and leave the lower ones alone. So it has nothing to do with you contributing? Nothing. I hadn't seen that proposal. I saw it this week, and I thought, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. I expect that at some point in the future, people with high net worths or high incomes will lose Social Security benefits because they can, um, and it won't affect their standard of living. Where that line is drawn, I don't know. Or if it just gets— Or if you just say everyone gets $1,500 a month. Or right, or if you retire eight, at sixty-two whatever. or at sixty-five, you get sixteen hundred dollars yeah, a month. Regardless, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where this all shakes up. It, that it's was, not. It's coming. That train is coming. Oh, it, in another dec in the next decade, oh, we have to face it. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see a change in Social Security benefits in the next four years, especially mm-hmm. um, if the Democrats take this. Not well, they didn't have the mandate. They didn't have the mandate that they thought they were going to have a few weeks back. Well, anyway, we're taking a quick break. Uh, when we uh, stick around for more of Allworth Financials Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Tom McClain. Uh, let's take some calls here. And if you want to be part of our program, um, we always enjoy. Actually, I think my favorite part of doing this program is talking to our, our people, our listeners who call in and ask us questions because it's every question's a little bit different and everyone's different and I just find it interesting (laughs) and helpful for you. 833-99-WORTH is the number. We're talking with Daniel. Daniel, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, guys. Hi, Daniel. What can we do for you? Okay. So um, I've actually spoken to you guys probably about six months back about some financial planning, and I made a move, and now I'm in a unique situation, so I want to get your advice on this. All All right. right. Fire away. Um, Okay, so essentially, uh, we moved out of a property that we used to uh, reside at, and it's now a rental. Uh, I'm living with in-laws because we want to transition and move to about 30 miles away. It's Our life is bringing us out in that direction, basically. Um, we have this rental that's uh, worth about $450,000 over the loan amount that we still own on it. Wait, 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 wait. So you have four fifty in equity, and it is what you said. What's the value yeah. of the home? Uh, I'm going to estimate right about six fifty. I could possibly get seven out of it. Okay, and um, how long have you owned it? Since 2013. And what did you pay for it? Uh, two sixty five, and there's two hundred left on the loan. And is this is this was this your primary residence that you just converted to rental? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, Yeah. I got you. So we don't right now. We're basically out of a home. We're just uh, renting from my in-laws. They have enough rooms to accommodate me and my family. And we have enough for a down payment on another home. But we're kind of torn in between selling this home because of the equity line that we have. Or and, and just, you know, putting a traditional down payment down and still having a lot more to play with or keeping this rental as it stands and just putting a down payment on a home where we want to move to. If it were um, me, we're at it, you know, I would sell yeah. the, even if I wanted to keep a rental, I would sell the house that was your primary residence. Why Scott? Because of the free capital gains that you can take advantage of, because as a couple, you can avoid up to $500,000 worth of gain with you pay zero income taxes on. So what you and did, if you convert this to rental and leave it, it's, uh, two out of five years. There was a recent change though. Now they've made it; it's not as clean as it used to be. But at, but if you after two years from now, it's gonna you'll lose your. It's either two or three years. Two years, I believe. You'll lose your ability to sell this as a primary residence. So what that means, right? So there, there's t- two decision points that you go through. One is, 
Look, would I buy this home today and convert it to a rental? Forget that you ever owned it. Ask yourself that question seriously, which is, is this the most efficient rental home rental that I would get? So in order to be efficient home rentals, you want something of under uh, that isn't too old, that doesn't have a swimming pool. Not a lot of yard maintenance. Not a lot of yard maintenance. Normally stucco, <laughs> dual pane windows, hopefully less than 20 years old. Linoleum floors. Yes, right? So that's the first second. That's the first question. The second question is, what are the tax, long-term tax ramifications to this? So let's say that you wanted a rental, that you decided this was the rental for you. You would be better off selling this home and buying the exact same home next door for tax purposes. That's right. Because you've got about 80000 You have $400,000 of gain. Let's figure 25% combined federal and state. That's 80000 So you have somewhere between seventy dollars and $80,000 of capital gain that you would pay if this were not your primary residence. But because it was your primary residence and you converted it to a rental, that makes it that it changes the tax. So what's the new house going to yeah. cost you? You're moving 30 miles out. What will a new house cost? We are moving to a more expensive area, and it is uh, we're going to estimate uh, in summertime if there is a drop, or let's just assume there's a little drop, it's probably going to be about a $550,000 uh, home for about the same size. And what, what you I guys thought you said, said your home is worth six fifty. That you just it's, it sounds like it's less expensive, not more expensive. Um, oh, yeah, I apologize. If we're assuming, because I'm going into probably a smaller home, smaller, smaller size, home. and not, but because this I wanted to add, because what you guys just said was important, is this home that we're renting out does have a swimming pool, it okay. has a spa, and okay. it has a pond that is... Oh, yeah. forget it. Too much maintenance. <laughs> just forget it. And it's on two <laughs> and it's acres. it's a big yard. It's about <laughs> yeah. a 6,000 square foot yard. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a terrible rental. Yes. Okay. So if it makes sense to have a rental, I wouldn't have that one. That one. I wouldn't get a rental with a swimming pool. Just flat out. So a new house is going to cost you five fifty. How old are you? Um, thirty nine. How many kids do you have? Uh, three. And uh, does your wife work outside the home? I uh, know she's a stay at home mom, but currently going to school. That's why part of the reason why we want to move closer is her school, and the commute, and stuff. What's your approximate family income? Uh, right now, eighty thousand a year. Oh, I'd sell this thing and and put as much cash into the I new house too. as possible. First of all, I'd sell it because it's a terrible rental and the capital gains. What's your uh, wife in school to. for? Uh, dental hygiene. I said she'll and make. What, what do you have? About in, a year and a half. What do you have in retirement savings? Uh, retirement about one hundred and forty thousand. If if you were my younger brother, I would much say much younger. <laughs> I I would say like sell like the only the house that you lived in will make it makes a terrible rental. Uh, then the question is is now the right time to buy a rental for your situation? You've got three kids, your wife's in school, so she can have a, a terrible career. time. So in a couple of years from now, cash flow is going to be pretty good coming through the house. How much money do you have in savings? Uh, savings, not too much, just pretty much yeah. a down payment, probably about 30000 All right, so I, what or, I'd do is I'd yeah. sell this house. I'd keep $50,000 in cash, and I'd, I'd— The smallest mortgage possible. And get the smallest mortgage possible, and I'd roll it over, and I'd get a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Okay, what about an, uh, also, because I would have probably have enough to put in basically two, two traditional down payments and have another rental somewhere else. Oh. That's suggested. I don't know if I'd make that move at $80,000 a year with three kids and a wife at school. Okay. Your 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 responsibility I mean, is to, is the, to your family. It's that you got I mean what you're talking about is levering up, right? It's taking on more debt. You'd have quite a bit of debt on a rental. What happens when the renter doesn't pay for several months? The I mean, those things happen, right? I mean, I've owned rentals, still own rentals. Yes. Rentals. What happens if there's happen. uh, repairs, significant repairs? You're ju you're just not at that space yet. Okay. Right? So build a wall around your family first. Build the wall. Make sure that you've got at least a million dollars of term life insurance. Fund the kids five twenty nines if that's appropriate before you actually start moving into the rental sphere. And home prices are not cheap right now. Oh, it's the, the yields, the cap rates on these things are relatively low. Relatively? 
like historically. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, we would wait till summer. I think just well, because I think there's a better possibility of more, uh, you know, the mortgages going down. I don't. Oh, I, I'm I, not that. I'm. I don't think that. If the, I, if uh, I were in your position, I would not wait. I would sell that house. I would get the cash. I'd find my new house because it's anyone's guess where the markets are going to go over the short. Uh, and I agree with Scott. Just make the move. Uh, and look, I mean, the great. Here's a beautiful thing. You got three kids still in the home. If you think out your future about building some financial stability for you, having a very small mortgage on your house that is financial stability. And the whole concept of unleashing the equity or that sort of thing, I think it's a bunch of nonsense. All people are talking about doing is is borrowing against your house, the thing that you that you live in, that you have your roof over your head. Your I castle. Mean, I mean, build the wall around your family, then get rich. Yeah, and your yeah, wife's back no, in school. I, I your, your income situation will be much different two years from now. I'd list that house today. I would, too. Wow. Okay. I'd make sure the pool was We've clean been first. About it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but we've seen enough market cycles. I've seen enough things. I mean, if if nothing's, if this whole COVID thing hasn't been strange enough, who knows what? I have a relative happen. that has a house in San Francisco. We young man, thirty. Same question. What do I do with this? I'm like, that's a terrible rental. Sell it as quickly <laughs> as possible. Unfortunately, he didn't sell it before the well, pandemic. San Francisco, they rents oh. are down twenty percent. Yes. Correct. Correct. Apartment rents, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Latest apartment rents. Yeah. Uh, yep. So sell it. List it as, as quickly as possible. Buy your new house as quickly as possible. Your in-laws will thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's our opinion, Daniel. <laughs> All right. Appreciate the call. Yeah, glad you called. And so San Francisco, is it, is he trying to sell it? Is it uh, in the city? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's in the so city. he owns some house in San Francisco. That he was living in? Probably worth a million and a half bucks. He was going to convert it to a rental. I explained the whole process just like we just did right. with Daniel about the capital gains and the fact that it would make a terrible rental. I said, if you want rentals, go to suburbia, buy a house that is not 48 years old, buy something less than 20 years old, stucco, <laughs> small yard, buy two or three of them. You're much better off doing that than you are holding a house. And then he said, well, the, the appreciation. In one of those neighborhoods, look, by, uh, suburbia, one of those neighborhoods with zero lot lines or whatever they call it, where there's like the tiniest back, tiniest garden as where possible. every house looks almost identical. Yes, those are the best rentals. Those are the best rentals. Maybe something that's been built in the last decade. Appliances are new. Yes. Nothing to worry about. Up to code. All that stuff, yeah. <laughs> 833-99-WORTH is the number if you want to be part of Hans, uh, All Worth. I almost said Handsome McLean's because well, we that to was be. our previous name until we rebranded. And I still get questions. Someone's asked me, How's, what's it like working for All Worth now? You still working for All Worth? And I said, you do realize that it's the same company that Pat McLean and I started 20-some years ago. We just rebranded. We tried to, to change the name upgraded the name to Allworth Financial, and we've merged in with some other partners, but it's the same company. Yes. You told him right. to never bring it up again? Yeah, I said, I don't want to be a friend anymore. <laughs> well, that's, that's essentially. <laughs> then he reminded me I have very few friends. <laughs> okay. All right, let's, um, we're, we're going to talk with Jeff. Jeff, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi there. Uh, thank you. It's an honor to be able to have your attention for uh, oh. a few minutes oh, here. Thank to- you talk about my uh, situation. Wow, so thank I get, you. I get that at home all the time. <laughs> <laughs> my 20 Dad, year it's old, an honor you came home tonight. <laughs> my 20-year-old was telling me that this morning. Uh, so I'm a, a 63-year-old single guy. Um, I'm mostly retired. I've had my own consulting business. And I pretty much passed it on to my son, but I still dibble and dabble a little bit to help people. Um, my issue is, is I've been a saver all my life. Uh, I can remember back when I was 10, 12 years old, or 12, 14 years old, having one of those little passbook savings. Yep, uh, yep, yep. I had one at Guild you, Savings. And, there, and you look at it and do that, and I, I even like charted. Uh, how much money it was growing. Remember, you know? they would they'd write in the number in that little passbook, and then yeah. they'd put a stamp That's next right. to it. That's right, a little mm-hmm. red stamp. Yeah, with yep. a date on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Down <laughs> at Guild too. Savings, I'd ride my bike the down there, the... deposit twenty two dollars. This is about Jeff. Not oh, Pat. sorry. <laughs> okay, all right, Jeff. Memory lane. Yes, that happens at old age. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, so um, I am now somewhat retired, uh, and. I've got this issue where I've got money and I 
don't know how to spend it. How, uh, how much do you have? Well, it's if you took a look at the retirement accounts and the value of one of my rentals, I have about a million plus. And how much money did you earn on an annual basis when you were working full time? When I was working, I, I earned probably around sixty to seventy thousand. And where's your income coming from today? Uh, today, it's coming from my uh, state retirement. Uh, Social Security, and then the the rental. And that comes out to be around 6000 a month. And uh, you're doing consulting. Is your, I assume bit, your home is... Double. I assume your home is fully paid for. Oh, of course. Okay. And you're, so your your question is, I'm, I've been a big, big saver. I'm, I'm like, I'm saving for the future. The fu- At what point is the, has the future arrived? And then what am I supposed... Then what? Is that what you're like? Right. I mean, there's been plenty of callers who talk about, oh, I've got time. Oh, my gosh. What do I do with all this time that I have? Mine is a little on a, I can figure out what to do with my time as far as volunteering and uh, groups I belong to and, and meet people and have a good time. But it's the spending money. I mean, I'm I wouldn't still, change a I thing. I had to go meet somebody today, and I took my own cup of coffee when we met at Starbucks. I mean, <laughs> okay, well that's well. You know what? I <laughs> wouldn't worry. Wait, how does Starbucks feel about you bringing in your own product? <laughs> well, it was in one of their cups, so <laughs> okay. you know, I already paid for it. You might say. I wouldn't change a thing. If you were to do anything, I would say. If you earmark some, even just start with a small portion of this to one of the organizations that you're involved in, some nonprofit, and give uh-huh. a little there and that see what help. that feels like. If that's you're gonna you're gonna give it eventually. You're gonna give it to your kids. You're gonna give it to the government, or you're gonna give it well, to. Well, no, that's what I'm saying is I want to spend it, but I don't know how. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. I got nothing from the parents. You know, the parents gave me a, so then basically the, a, a the que- funeral, and that was it, and that was. But you're, you're, that's on the assumption that, that more spending is going to bring you more joy and happiness. Well, it's not so much the joy and happiness as I just I've never had this mentality of spending money. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out if you know people like. You know, oh, yeah. They are our best clients. Are you kidding me? <laughs> there are therapists that will there are therapists that will help you with compulsive spending. Are there therapists for compulsive saving? Uh, that's a great question. I would imagine a typical therapist could help if that. That's one way to if, actually if, spend it is to go to a therapist. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> fifty bucks a week, it's going to go pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say get a wife. You know that'll help you spend your money. Uh, yeah. Some, uh, fortunately, not mine. Um, I, I, I so there's two things to do. I like Scotts, or one of the things you can do is to start up an automatic distribution into your checking account. I do this for many yeah, of my right. clients. And I, it, and that's we'll right. start a thousand, two thousand for you. Just start with five hundred dollars that goes into your checking account every month automatically, coming either from a brokerage account or your IRA, depending upon your margin. However, tax you, budget, rate. however you budget things, have an extra five hundred bucks come through, and don't stop it. And you'll find yourself actually being able to spend that because it's showing up there, and you know that it's systematic. And just do that. And tell for yourself you months. can't put it back, in and savings. you can't put it back in savings. It's got to go somewhere. Uh-huh. Either spend it on yourself or give it somewhere. Or- um, I had a client who has a uh, husband and wife that are s- since deceased 25, 30 years ago that I would send money to him on a monthly basis. And every six months he would bring the same amount that I <laughs> sent to him out of his own accounts and deposit it back into his account. And, th- and this was when I was young in my career. Um, and after a year and a half of this, I told him I would no longer take any new deposits into his account from him. Um, and he asked me why, and I said, well, we, that was designed to be spent. And he said, well, what do we do? And I said, well, you you're, you, and your wife like Indian food. I'd like you to go out to lunch twice a week now. And mm-hmm. it changed the behavior because I wouldn't allow him to return the dollars into it. And I'm going to recommend exactly the same thing to you. Have the $500 a month, go into your account, spend it, and start with that. All right. Yeah, so, all right. just start, starting something, you'll feel good about it. All right. Or bad about it or a combination. And listen, by the way, it was an honor speaking with you. Oh, (laughs) of course. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's a. The the irony is, I was kind of joking there, but you asked the more people like, they're our best clients. I mean, the irony is that. 
Well, first of all, some of us are just born savers and some of us are born spenders. If you have multiple kids, you see the differences between the kids. And it's just some of it is just kind of innate. But my um, kids are born savers, but they're uh, when it comes to to uh, spending, as long as it's mine, they're pretty good at it. My son is driving back to L.A. today um, and uh, naturally they had to go to the Costco yesterday with his mother. And I'm like, wow, how's that work? Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's right. <laughs> what mom doesn't like making sure their kids are well yeah. fed? I mean, well, that's, that's, I mean, that's like the most basic right there. Make sure my kid has enough food. Yes. Right? So, all right, let's uh, continue on here. We're in Cincinnati talking with William. William, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Thank you for taking my call. I have a situation where I have about 160000 in a IRA. I am retired, taking a uh, disbursement of my Social Security early because I am a cancer survivor, and it's nineteen hundred a month. How old are you? And I'm sixty-seven, and I am doing a um, side job where I'm pulling in seven hundred to a thousand dollars a week. Uh, I have no interest in setting and doing nothing. I have over 20000 in a checking account, which I want to take half of that. And that's my question. What should I do? Because I fully funded my IRA for 2000 The question should be, should I continue to fund that because of the diverse uh, or the uh, deferred taxation, or should I put uh, the money towards something else? Now, I do have a $40,000 uh, invested in a annuity that is controlled by the uh, standard and poor's um, and, and so forth. It, it's not managed. It just it has unlimited potential to grow if it does grow, and there's no cap. Uh, okay. I also am looking at what do I do instead of sitting there with twenty thousand in my checking account, which earns uh, nothing? Uh, yeah. Point zero. Are you are you single or married? I am single, and but the assets will go to my yeah. former wife, but they're also destined to go on to my grandkids, which I'm fully funding their two thousand oh. dollars a year for an education fund. Each, oh. I have three of them. And okay. let, let, if I can get a little more personal, what 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 do you what do you think your life expectancy is? Uh, due to the cancer, uh, I'm I'm my goal is seventy five to eighty. Okay. <clears throat> and I and assume what do you, you have no debt on your home. I have zero debt. I ha I pay cash for my car. And your home is paid for. I I, ha I rent. I pay you know five fifty a month. I get nineteen hundred plus from Social Security, and I don't spend uh, money. You know, I heard the previous caller talk about how do you spend money. How, well, you got to be able to get out and do things. How now. old is the? Uh, how old is that annuity? How long have you owned it? Uh, I just uh, bought into it last year. Oh, okay. I wouldn't buy any more. Pers my personal opinion. Yeah, don't don't buy any. There, there is caps you, on it. And it's not unlimited. Yeah, it it it's it's not good. And by the way, it doesn't have the preferential tax treatment like the S and P five hundred would if you owned that. Um, yeah, I understand. it doesn't receive a full okay. step up I, in basis. I, don't. It, but by the way, the person that sold that to you, don't talk to him anymore. I, I hate it. I mean, I. I, I I would rec. I don't think twenty thousand in liquid cash is is too little. I think you're fine. I mean, if the check you want to put ten thousand somewhere, I'd go to bankrate.com and do an online bank and just do who's got the highest yielding savings account. And you'll find someone well, like Synchrony I, or. I do have I do have a uh, non qualified plan that has uh, twenty thousand in it. What does that mean? Yes. What's a non qualified? So plan? brokerage account. Yeah. So I like the idea of cash. I like the idea of cash, steady cash, doesn't fluctuate. There's a health issue that happens to you. There's a health issue that happens to a loved one, your grandkids or something. You need cash. I like the idea of having some emergency cash. And 20000 
That's that, that's okay. How, where did you it's buy this annuity? I, I'm hung up on this new. Where'd you buy the annuity? Well, the, the the structure of it is if it's managed, there's a fee and a cap. Understand? If it's an index I, annuity. Yeah, and if I, I guess that's what it is. Yeah. But if I uh, just let it ride, uh, Standard and Poor's 500. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no. Uh, that's right. Cap. So it's just, it it's, a, it's an index fund. Where did you buy it? Did you buy it at the bank? Uh, through a, a financial services, a national company. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But you, you don't buy any more of that. I think yeah. you're fine. I would just make sure that your portfolio is well diversified. The IRA, I think $20,000 in the bank is, is fine. I agree with I, Scott. I, I wouldn't look at it. It's easy to say I need, you, you want to, anytime you move out of the bank and go to somewhere else, you are taking on more risk. And the question is, is that risk going to be, is it worth it given what a, a chance of an income need? And if you were talking about $200,000 sitting somewhere, well, that would be ridiculous, obviously. But given the income level you're at, I do not think that 20000 in cash equivalents is too much at all. I, and so that would be our recommendation to keep it in those cash equivalents. And appreciate the, the call, William. And further, on there are limits on that. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So if someone's telling you you've got the guarantee, you're going to get 100% of the increase, they're, yeah. go read the contract. It's an index annuity. Go read. We're not big fans of those, by the way. Go read the contract. It's Actually, I think thing. I would venture to say we, we dislike them greatly because of they're, exactly this. He, 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 can, take, he can take more risk than, than an index annuity. He's not spending the money he has. And had he bought an S&P 500 fund, it grows pretty much tax deferred. It gets a full step up in basis at death. Much better tax deferred. He takes the money out. It's capital gains rates. And then annuity, none of that happens other than the tax deferral. Yeah, we're getting short on time. I want to let you know of a couple good articles we've got at allworthfinancial.com. Uh, one is um, it's about updating beneficiaries. And I, I've been in this industry long enough to see what happens when people don't update beneficiaries, and it's not good. Um, if you pass away. But also there's another one, year-end tax reminders for a COVID world. So <clears throat> this is good. Anyway, as we're getting near the end of the year, on our website, there's a, an article that'll deal with some of the major tax things to be considering and some of the changes that have occurred as a result of some of the COVID packages that were um, pushed through earlier in the year. So uh, again, that's at allworthfinancial.com. And Scott, I would recommend have a, if you have a couple, the, the article about beneficiaries is called have a, a few spare minutes. Be sure to do this. Uh, you wrote it. I actually read it. I enjoyed the story that you told about the client. Uh, okay. Oh, All right. We're out of time. Uh, we'll see you next week. This has been all worth money matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.